الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله وجاءت رسل ربنا بالحق وصدق المرسلون يا رب لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك ولعظيم سلطانك وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله قل اللهم مالك الملك تؤتي الملك من تشاء وتنزع الملك ممن تشاء وتعز من تشاء وتذل من تشاء بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وإمامنا ووليانا وولي أمرنا وأميرنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبد الله ورسوله وصفيه وخليله وما كان لمؤمن ولا مؤمنة إذا قضى الله ورسوله أمرا أن يكون لهم الخيرة من أمرهم ومن يعص الله ورسوله فقد ضل ضلالا بعيدا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يعتصم بالله فقد هدي إلى صراط مستقيم أما بعد Dear committed Muslims, brothers and sisters We have a history that is almost unknown and practically unthought of. Our history has been victimized by ignorance and emotions. What we need is a good dosage of rationality to exclude ourselves from the consequences of ignorance and sensationalism. <clears throat> During these days, among a certain segment of Muslims, there's an awareness <clears throat> of a chapter in our common history 
a chapter that is acknowledged by all Muslims except for the few fanatics that are scattered throughout times as they are scattered in our world today even though they may have a lot of wealth and wherewithal this these days represent for those who are aware of the occasion an incident in which Allah's Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his, is reported in books of hadith, in books of history, the chronicles that we have, in which the Prophet stood in an area called Ghadir Khum, and he said, addressing himself to the Muslims who were present there, and like most of what he said to the rest of the Muslims until the end of time, he said the following, and I beg that we are attentive with our minds and not with our emotions <clears throat> and not with our ignorance. The translation of this acknowledged hadith acknowledged by all Muslims except as I said for the the few and scattered fanatics past and present this hadith has been tortured by translation you can refer to any translation you want most of them will say the prophet was saying whoever i am his master then aliyun is his master this begs this understanding that is expressed through selective words this begs our mental input this is what we need we don't need crazy emotions that wind up accusing other Muslims of all sorts of negative descriptions. That is not needed at a time. We have enough of this. This has resulted in what we see, the fanaticism that comes from all directions is attributed to the absence of our thoughts on the Prophet's statement. So let us refresh ourselves and think of what the Prophet is saying. And here again are his words. Man kuntu mawla, before that, an nabiyu awla what does this mean? Now after you listen 
to a humble, thoughtful approach to this hadith, review what you have in your mental background or what you have in your references and the books that you go to, review that with a thoughtful approach to this hadith that we can say with humility is free of discrimination, is free of bias, and is free of the reactions that come from segregation and haughtiness. The Prophet, he's saying, he didn't say, Ana he said what is he saying in the English language it comes out roughly as follows the prophet takes precedence over the committed Muslims own selves So, awla, because later on when he says, the Prophet says, مَنْ كُنْتُ The word mawla is related to the word awla. And the word awla means, you can go to the... Arabic language references, choose anyone you want, but go to those references, people who specialized in the coining of words and their meanings to explain to us these meanings. So the, the Prophet is saying, and I'm rephrasing here so that you can get the gist of it, I take precedence over your own selves. And this is repeated in other hadiths of the Prophet. لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى أكون أحب إليه من نفسه None of you are going to commit to Allah until I become more liked than his own, than your own self. So the prophet takes precedence. He has priority. And Nabiu awla bil mu'minina min anfusihim. He has priority over their own selves, over their own lives over their own interests and nabiyu awla bil mu'minina min anfusihim and the muslims are listening a multitude of muslims in the thousands are listening to him say that and now we have if if muslims want to tune in we have 2 billion muslims almost who can rediscover this meaning.
Then he says, Man kuntu mawlah, fahatha aliyun mawlah. Whoever considers me to have, because in the English language you can't make a noun out of precedent. So whoever considers me to be their priority, to be precedent over their own selves, then they should consider Aliyun to have priority, to be to have precedent over their own selves. This is a degree of difference when we are digging into substantial meanings this is a degree of difference from those who are saying, whoever I am their master, Aliyun is their master. This has cultural undertones. You know, if you say, use the word master in a population, whatever population that is, whether it's the African-American community in the United States or it's another community in another continent, it doesn't matter. When you use the word master, it's almost automatic in the mind that somewhere around there are slaves. Why, why do that? Besides, that's not accurate. The word master in the Arabic language is Sayyid. That's the technical and that's the almost literal word translation of the word master into Arabic would be Sayyid. The Prophet did not say that. So this brings us, it should, if we are thinking Muslims as we are supposed to be, this should bring us to some other words that are confused in our vocabulary. And the confusion of these words have drawn us in to internal tension. The point of history that we are at right now is characterized by internal tension. So what is what are the other words that if they are clarified we get a more healthy understanding of what the prophet is saying. The other words are the following. Imam Amir Wali the Prophet didn't use any of these words. The, the Prophet didn't say, Man kuntu imamahu aliyun imamu. He didn't say that. Did he? The Prophet didn't say, Man kuntu waliyahu aliyun Did he? The Prophet didn't say, Man kuntu amirahu aliyun Did he? The hadith is in front of us. He didn't say this. So can we begin at least, this is an occasion, and some of you, I know not all of you, especially because there are hundreds of others that listen to this khutbah over the internet, I know that not all of you go to the Masajid or the Husayniyas or any other programs or occasions where this issue becomes an issue of public discourse. 
I know that. But those of you who do go to these events or to these programs, tune in, not with your emotions. Tune in with your minds. This is what is required at this time. Visit this issue with your minds. And are they t these people who are speaking, I'm not trying to belittle anyone. What I'm trying to do here is to raise our consciousness and raise our status. Is, are they explaining to you on this occasion what the difference is between an imam and a mawla? Or between an amir and a mawla? Or between a khalifa and a mawla? Or between a wali and a mawla? If there are khutaba and preachers and professors and teachers, if there are these types who are zeroing in on this area, then they are serving the Muslim public and they are serving before that Allah and His Prophet in clarifying this issue for once and for all. But as long as we are drawn to these occasions because there is the force of tradition, many people, just like as you see in Jumu'ah prayers here, this, mess, this Islamic center, many of the people who pass by here, they go because there's a force of tradition. There's no internal mental motivation to understand why there is a Jumu'ah prayer or why there is what is called Eid Ghadir Khum. This is the area that's absent. And some of these people, individuals, we're not going to use any names. Some of them, when you sit them down and you have a cup of coffee or tea or juice or whatever, some fruits, and they're relaxed and you open this discussion up with, with them, some of them are honest enough to say that there's so much traditional and cultural buildup that it's almost impossible to parse this issue rationally, mentally, intellectually, and practically. It's almost impossible. Don't ask us to do something like that. Even though in a discussion one-on-one, -on -one, we can see the points that you are making, but because the force of tradition is so strong, we cannot take this issue on. Which brings us to an element that has to be in the qualifications of those who speak, and that is courage. We expect the least amount of character in personalities like this to be the bedrock description of courage. 
And I want to visit one of these personalities in Islamic history that probably no one has heard of. Unless you're a real researcher and you are engrossed in Islamic history in its first generations. There was a person by the name of Hatit Az-Zayyat. And he had an encounter with Al-Hajjaj Al-Thaqafi, the butcher in Iraq at that time. Al-Hajjaj being the governor in Iraq, just like governors and people in power, they have, in today's language, they have intelligence reports about certain individuals. And so the intelligence report that Al-Hajjaj had about Hatit was, this person even though he was young, only 18 years old. Listen to you, you, those of you are still young out there. Represents something like a security threat in that Islamic geography. So Al-Hajjaj summoned Hatit. I want to see this guy. Bring him to me. So the security services, uh, the police, whatever they were at the time, they go out, they find him, and they bring him to Al-Hajjaj. Listen, this is a ha- Al-Hajjaj, to refresh your memory, is the bloodthirsty ruler who had a famous statement that said, إِنِّي أَرَى رُؤُوسًا قَدْ أَيْنَعَتْ وَحَانَ قِطَافُهَا what I see are heads out there, and it's time for picking these heads. What he means by that, like if you go cherry picking, you pick cherries from the tree. What he sees in the population are ripe heads. He wants to pick those heads, pluck those heads out of those bodies. This is a good description of a terrible tyrant. So this is the same guy who says, I want to see this Hatit, bring him to me. So Hatit is there in front of Al-Hajjaj. Al-Hatit says, okay, ask, what is it that you want from me? And he, t- he tells him, إِنِّي عَاهَدْتُ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى عِنْدَ مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ I've pledged to Allah at the maqam of Ibrahim, right there in the area of the Kaaba, pertaining to three things, three attributes. In su'ilt If someone's going to ask me any question, I will give them the absolute truth that I know. If I were to come under extracting conditions, bala, 
I will be very patient. If I am going to be given good health and being in life, I will be very thankful, of course, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Al-Hajjaj asks him, remember this is an 18-year-old. He asks him, ماذا تقول فيه? What do you think? What do you say about me? Now I'm not saying this because this is a little piece of history. I'm saying this because it relates to human nature and it speaks to the type of people we have in our world today. He says, Hatid says to Al-Hajjaj, إِنَّكَ مِنْ أَعْدَاءِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى فِي الْأَرْضِ You are one of Allah's enemies on earth. تَنْتَهِكُ الْمَحَارِمُ وَتَقْتُلُ بِالظَّنَّةِ You violate every sanctity and you kill because of suspicion. You suspect someone, you kill him. And then Al-Hajjaj asks him, what do you say about Amir al-Mu'mineen Abdul Malik ibn Marwan? That was the so-called Khalifa. This is one of the one of the drawbacks of traditions that we have today. We Muslims call Everyone from Muawiyah onwards until our day, he, well, you don't have it in our day, it terminated in 1924. And then Baghdadi comes along and he tries to acquire the word Khalifa. These are no Khulafa, they are kings, they are monarchs, they are despots, except maybe, maybe a couple of exceptions in all of this history. So he says, Hatid says to him, Aqulu innahu a'zamu jurman mink. I say that he is more of a criminal than you are. Remember, this is an 18-year-old person speaking to the president of the land, so to speak. That land there in Iraq, not the overall one. وَإِنَّمَا أَنْتَ خَطِيئَةٌ مِنْ خَطَيَاهِ you, listen how harsh and how strong and how courageous these words are. You are nothing but a sinful crime of his. Meaning you, Al-Hajjaj, you amount to a crime of sin that is attributed to Abdul Malik ibn Marwan. So when Hajjaj listened to this, he tells his assistant, some guy by the name of Ma'ad, he tells him, place him, in the Arabic words, it literally means pour torture on him. So he take him to be tortured. And I don't want to go through the details of that uh, torture. It's gruesome, it's graphic, and it, it churns inside of you once you hear it. 
but he dies because of that torture. Why doesn't a person like this live in the memories of the Muslims of today? Because he's a person who opposed those who were misusing, abusing the power that they had. And it all began, it all began with the inability of the Muslims to listen closely to what the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was saying to them, instructing them, directing them, guiding them, which he still does, which he is still doing, if we only paid attention and just put aside for a few minutes or a few days the traditionalism that has defined us instead of our commitment to Allah and His Prophet that define us. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم ادعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة إنما وليكم الله ورسوله والذين آمنوا الذين يقيمون الصلاة ويؤتون الزكاة صدق الله وصدق رسوله وإنا على ذلك من الشاهدين توبوا إلى الله متابا الحمد لله الذي هدى وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا المصطفى وعلى آله وصحبه أولي النهى وأولي التقى Dear brothers and dear sisters, dear committed Muslims wherever you are what is required in our time is number one to understand what Allah and His Prophet primarily instructed us to understand and to do. That is the number one issue. After we understand, after we begin to have thinking minds when it comes to Allah and His Apostle, then a world will open up to us, a world that is more concerned with justice than it is concerned with rituals. This would be making an about face to the world that traditional Muslims are living in. A 180 degree turn from where we are now. What stands between us and that new position is our mental laziness. I, this, we are, last Jumu'ah was Va'id. We are still in the atmospherics of the Hajj. 
Let me mention something about that land. I speak, we speak about Mecca and Al Medina. We speak about Al Hijaz and Jazirat Al Arab because they are intrinsically related to our Iman and to our Islam. And when something wrong is going on there, we have to point to it because Allah and His Prophet are telling us to do so. No one is doing this because there's some type of materialistic gain. No one is doing this for some reputation. No one is doing this for any other worldly objective. For your information, this is known in the Arabian Peninsula, but it's probably not known outside of it by many Muslims. The ruling family in the Arabian Peninsula with an input from the imperialists and the Zionists, they are trying to convert their country into an out-and-out secular country and they are going about doing this in a very subtle and clandestine way but it's beginning to show by what they are saying and what they are permitting to be expressed through their media empire they are in control of a lot of media mouthpieces in the world. The written media, the radio, the TV, the electronics, social media, etc. One of the issues that they just brought up this past week is creating a stir inside that society. And that is, it's a simple issue, but it has consequences to it. In that kingdom that is a continuation of the other kingdoms that preceded it in our Islamic history. And we hope these kingdoms are on the abyss of existence and they will fall into it never to recover ever. They have on their shops at time of salah Salat al-Dhuhr, Salat al-Asr, etc. The shops closed and they have a sign that says Mughlaq or Mughlaq lil-Salah. We're closed because of Salah. We're closed because we're going to Salah. They have these signs. So now permission has been given from the government to the people in the media to assault this feature of their society they're saying why and they're using their own terminology they're saying this is a bid'ah placing a sign like that on a shop is a bid'ah and they say they give the following example they throw this out in the public mind remember this is not done because they're concerned with the well-being 
of you and me and other Muslims or their, even their own population. They are doing this because they are instructed to do this. It's dictated to them by their masters in Tel Aviv and in Washington. They want to take the, and this is going to, obviously this is going to cause tension inside of their schizophrenic society. They say, those who argue that this is a bid'ah, they say, at salah time, you have a musafir who comes to a gas station and wants to fill his car with gas. Or her, well, you can't say her car because women can't drive there. He wants to fill his car with gas. And then he sees this sign, we're closed because we're out for salah. The person may have just left and then he has to wait a half an hour or so for the resumption of commercial activity. Well, what if this, per- if this person is a musafir and he needs gas? What is he going to stay there a half an hour and wait for this? And then what who do you have working in these gas stations? Some of them are non-Muslims themselves. You have someone from the Philippines or some Hindu from India or some other person from who knows where who's not a Muslim to begin with. So why can't a non-Muslim pump gas to a Muslim musafir and take that sign off and say, why do I have to close? And then this has caused a stir in the social media, Twitter, etc. They're speaking about pros and cons. Look what's beginning to happen to us. They're going to take us in the wrong direction. This is the de-Islamization of Saudi Arabia. This is some of the comments that we they are beginning now to express in their social media. They want all of this to come out eventually. What happens in places like hospitals and pharmacies? You put a sign saying closed for salah and what happens to a person who needs his medicine? And then this creates an air of hypocrisy. This is an observed fact in life over there. People put this sign on the door of their shop and then they pretend to go to pray or they hide in the back room of their shop. Or they do something or the other, but they're not going from their shop to the masjid to pray. These issues are beginning to surface in that kingdom. And there used to be serious penalties for this. If you opened your shop and did not go to pray, if you were a Muslim, let's say from Nigeria or from Pakistan, and you had a fabric shop or you had a restaurant or whatever, and you didn't close and put that sign there, and these, what they call the moral police, these mutawwi'een, they come and they see, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in the masjid. Are you a Muslim? Yes, of course I am a Muslim. Okay, we're closing your shop, and we're deporting you. That's what they do. They throw them outside the country. This is Mecca. This is al Medina. But they do that to them. They don't care. Mecca is no longer an open city open to all the Muslims of the world. You need Saudi permission. You need Saudi license. 
You need Saudi approval to breathe the air of Mecca, to walk the streets of Mecca, to pray in the Masajid of Mecca. And then if you're not if you're not a Muslim, if you if you have a shop and you are a Muslim and you disobeyed their bid'ah, they're calling it bid'ah now, then they will take you to prison. If you are not a Muslim, they will deport you. And this is beginning to catch up with them. What are they going to do? These, these internal contradictions now are beginning to find a way to express themselves. And we feel sorry for the Muslims who go to the Masajid out of habit. And to listen to khutbas that are meaningless and do not relate to the facts of life. One of the princes, Al-Amir Abdul Aziz ibn Fahd, just in this past week, he said, I'm saying farewell to my country, meaning he's going to leave his own country. And he says, I fear that I will be assassinated when I leave. He had last week sent congratulations to Ibn Nayef, Muhammad Ibn Nayef, who was vying to become king with Ibn Salman, the person who some reports are saying is going to become king in just a matter of a few weeks or a few months. That's how close he is to becoming king. His rival, who was seated out of power just a couple of months or so ago, received congratulations on the Eid from this person now who's leaving the kingdom. Speak about leaving the kingdom. Their number one journalist, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, that was their number one journalist who used to be press attaché in western capitals in London I guess he was here in Washington other places when there were elections last year he was here in Washington he said the ruling family and this is I think it was one of their think tanks the ruling family in Arabia these are not his exact words, but this is the meaning of what he said, is afraid that Trump is going to become president of the United States. When he returned to his kingdom, and this is an insider, it's not like, you know, someone in the peripheries, they told him, shut up. Once again, that's not their exact words, but that's the meaning of what they told him. You don't write anymore and you don't speak in public anymore, you understand? And he remained silent until a few weeks ago, he was given permission to leave, he left. And he came here to the United States and he began to express himself. 
And what did he say? He said, Iran is in a triumphant position. His Arabic words, Iran muntasira. And who, he goes on to say, and whoever thinks otherwise is illusional. It is victorious and it's not going to negotiate away its principles. This is from one of their insiders who used to be their spokesperson to the world. And then Netanyahu, the butcher in the Holy Land. He says, our relationships, these are his words, I'm paraphrasing. Our relationships with the Sunni Arab Arabian countries have never ever been better than they are now. The issue, the Palestinian issue, the Palestinians' right to return to Palestine is now off the agenda. With these, he called them Sunni Arab states. This is what happens. They put you to sleep in the Masajid on Fridays. They put you to sleep, and this is what's happening to us in the real world. Speak about the Rohingya Muslims. I've heard it pronounced both ways, Rohingya and Rohingya. I don't know which one is more correct. What is being done to them is a price that we are paying because some of our preachers and some of our khutabat tell us don't mix Islam and Siyasa. Don't understand Allah and, and His Prophet when it comes to the decision-making process. Well, if you want to misunderstand Allah and His Prophet or de-understand Allah and His Prophet or not understand Allah and His Prophet, this is what's going to happen to us. We are no exception to anyone in the world. If we do wrong, we are going to suffer the consequences. لَيْسَ بِأَمَانِيِّكُمْ وَلَا أَمَانِيِّ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ مَنْ يَعْمَلْ سُوءًا يُجْزَ بِهِ ثُمَّ لَا يَجِدْ لَهُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ وَلِيًّا وَلَا نَصِيرًا اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا 
فَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ رَبَّنَا أَفْرِغْ عَلَيْنَا صَبْرًا وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا وَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ رَبَّنَا اغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا وَإِسْرَافَنَا فِي أَمْرِنَا وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا وَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ ربنا صل على محمد وآل محمد وبارك على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر إنما يعمر مساجد الله من آمن بالله واليوم الآخر وأقام الصلاة وآت الزكاة ولم يخش إلا الله فأولئك عسى أن يكونوا من المهتدين أجعلتم سقاية الحاج وعمارة المسجد الحرام كمن آمن بالله واليوم الآخر وجاهد في سبيل الله لا يستوون عند الله والله لا يهدي القوم الظالمين ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة